Savior. We certainly need His blessing and His mercy. And I pray that we'll get back to where we can receive His blessings. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 17 and 18. Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. Now, the last several weeks we have looked at sin. Today we're going to wrap up the series on sin by 
looking at national sin. Now, when we look at sin, generally we, we look at personal sin. Sin committed by the individual, how each individual is responsible for their own sin. But there is also what's called national sin. National sin, the sin of a nation. And we see this in the Bible with the children of Israel, but then we also see it, you know, when they were the tribe of Israel, we saw it in the land of Judah. Um, and, and, and Israel as a whole. Um, we saw it in, in the divided kingdom, um, Judah and, and uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. And what generally would happen would be that the, the leader of the nation would allow sin to start taking place. They might even lead the nation into idolatry by setting up idols, and then the people would follow. And so what would happen is, is the, the leader would start into idolatry or sexual immorality or, or child sacrifice, uh, not taking care of the widows, orphans, or the poor, as we see in the book of Amos. And then that would lead the people into doing those things as well. And so the leader would start committing these acts, and then the people would follow, and it would turn into a national sin. And that's what we're going to look at today. Look at Ezekiel chapter 8 verses 17 and 18. It's written, Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a small thing to the house of Judah to commit these abominations which they do here? For they have filled the land with cruelty and have returned to provoke me, and lo, they have cast out stink before their noses. Therefore will I also execute my wrath Mine eye shall not spare them, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Just be with us today, Lord, as we worship together. Just give us an understanding into your word and help us just to take what we learn today and apply it into our daily walk. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, be with those that could not make it today, those that may be traveling, those that are sick and shut in, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift them up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, just overshadow us with your love and watch care. And Lord, just be with me today and give me the words to say. And just hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let me have no part of this service. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to make any decision, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us. Through love and watch care, we just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And when we look back in the Bible when, when Israel came out of Egypt, Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. 
And a theocracy is where God is king. God is leader of the nation. And we see this in how he would set up judges to judge the nation. But then what we see around the time of Samuel, right before Samuel's death, several years before Samuel's death, we see that the children of Israel wanted a king. Samuel had gotten old and they wanted a king to rule over them instead of judges. But what we see is is that when they were given the king, God gives them a warning about what would happen with a king. Now turn over real quick to 1 Samuel chapter 12. And look at this warning. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore fear you the Lord, and serve him in the truth with all your hearts, and consider how great things he hath done for you. But if you do wickedly, ye shall perish, both ye and your king. So at the end of of what Samuel is saying, he gives this warning to the children of Israel that if they do wickedly, the people and the king would suffer punishment. Because what was the fear here? The fear was that this king would start doing ungodly things and that would lead the children of Israel to start doing ungodly things. It would start with the leader and then move to the people and then the nation would fall into sin. And that's what we see time and time again with Israel, how the king would fall into sin and then the people would begin to sin. We see it especially with the northern tribe of Israel because if you were to look in the book of the Kings and then into 1 and 2 Chronicles, you're going to see that none of the northern kings ever did anything that was right in the eyes of God. It always says when it talks about the northern kings that they did evil in the sight of God. They committed evil acts. And it started with the first king of the northern tribe. Now think about something. The children of Israel pretty much stayed true to God when Saul was king. But then when David became king, it was a godly nation. Yes, David had his faults, but primarily the the children of Israel stayed true to God. And we see that also with Solomon. Solomon had his faults, but the children pretty much stayed true to God. But then once the kingdom was divided, the northern kingdom places Jeroboam as their king. And Jeroboam was evil. He was an idolater. 
And what Jeroboam does is he makes golden calves for the children of Israel to worship. So what happens is, is he leads the northern tribe into sin. The people started to worship these golden calves. Now, yes, the people are responsible for their own sin. That's true. People are responsible for their own sin. But they're also responsible for the leaders they place above them. And Jeroboam influenced the people and led the entire nation to turn against God. That's national sin. And then we see the same thing with the southern tribe. They would have leaders that were godly, and then they would place, you know, they would have leaders that would be ungodly that would lead the children into idol worship. And the people are responsible for their own for their own sin. They could have stayed true to God, yet they would turn from God and follow their leader. Even though they had the choice to stay true to God, they would follow their leader. That's national sin. The leaders leading the nation into sin. And the people following the leaders, not caring about the law, not caring about God's commandments, not staying true to God's commandments, even though they could have done that. Instead, they followed their leader into national sin, and that national sin led to national punishment. And this is what we see God speaking about with Ezekiel here in chapter 8. Now, if you look back in chapter 8, God shows Ezekiel a vision of what is going on in Judah, primarily what's going on in Jerusalem. And what he does, and, and I always sort of get a kick out of this, and this is just an aside, it says that when God takes Ezekiel into Israel, he picks him up by his hair and takes him into Israel by the hair of his head. And I can just always in my mind just picture God holding him by the hair of his head and his arms and legs just dangling there as he's taking him into, into Jerusalem to show him these things. But he takes him to, to show him this vision and he starts out by showing him the idolatry that's taking place in the land. But then he takes him to the temple. And he shows him what's going on in the temple with the high priest. And how the high priest had set up idols in the temple sanctuary. And then he takes him into the courtyard and shows him the sin that's taking place in the courtyard of the temple. And what does God call these things? He says they're committing abomination. They're committing cruelty. They're worshiping these idols. It's the people and the leaders doing these things. Now what are the abominations that we see? 
If you were to look in verses 1 through 6, you see the idol worship that's taking place. And then in verses 7 through 13, you see the idolatry that's taking place in the temple sanctuary. And then in verses 14 and 15, you see what is called Tammuz worship taking place. God tells Ezekiel that the the women are are mourning for Tammuz. Tammuz was a Babylonian deity. And the worship of Tammuz involved sexual immorality. And then he says, if you look at verse 16, they were worshiping the sun. People were worshiping the the rising sun in the east. And God calls all of these things an abomination to him. And he says they're provoking him to wrath. And as a result, what God says is he's going to punish Israel. But something specific about this punishment, they had provoked God so much. Look at what he says. He says, even if they cry out to me, I will not have pity on them. Even if they cried out for mercy, God was not going to have mercy. That's how much they had provoked him by their sin. Look again at what it says. Therefore will I also execute my wrath, mine eye shall not spare them, Neither will I have pity, and though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. You know, we always think about God as always having mercy. There comes a time when God's mercy ends, and he must execute punishment. There comes a time, I'm going to say that again, there comes a time when God's mercy ends and he must execute punishment. And that's what we see taking place here. God is telling Ezekiel, my mercy has come to an end and now I must execute punishment upon the sin of Israel. And what happens? Because of the sin of the people and the leaders, God destroys Judah. He destroys them. Now remember, this is national sin. It's not one or two people committing these sins. It's the majority of the people. Starting with the king on down, the majority of the people had fallen into sin. They were following the leader into sin. Now, I want you to think about something else. There were people in Judah, just as there were people in the northern tribe that didn't follow the leaders into sin. There were people that had stayed true to worshiping God. But when God punished the nation, what happens? These people are right there in the midst of it. When God punished the nation, the people that hadn't followed Israel into sin were in the middle of the punishment as well. 
about that. God had withheld his punishment and withheld his punishment and was long-suffering. And when the people continued to sin, regardless of the people that had stayed true to him, when he punished Israel, he punished Israel. The lost, the sinful, and the righteous all fell to the same punishment. When he executed punishment, he executed it regardless. God still punished the nation and destroyed the nation for its idolatry and sin, regardless of the people that stayed true to him. Think about that. God had given them ample warning. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 25. If the king and the people do wickedly, the king and the people will be punished. And then we also see something in Leviticus 18, 28 through 30. Another warning. What does God say? He says, if you commit the abominations of the Canaanites, the land is going to spew you out as it did the Canaanites. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to punish you for these abominations. And the land is going to spew you out. And then he tells them, you're to be holy because I'm holy. I'm a holy God and you're to be holy. God gave them ample warning that he would punish their sin and the people did not listen to God and they disregarded God's law and his commandments and they turned their back on God. And they followed their leaders and they fell into sin. The sin of the multitudes and the leaders turned into a national falling away, the nation turning its back on God, and regardless, and regardless of the few who continued to follow God, God punished the nation. Why? Because God was provoked to wrath. The damage was done, and he had reached an end of his patience. He had reached an end of it, and he punished them. The people could have followed God, but instead they followed their leaders and fell into sin. National sin. Now, it starts small. I want you to think about that. It starts small. Sin always starts out small. In the northern tribe, it started with two golden calves started small. In the southern tribe, it started with one act, the adultery of David. 
started small. And though it starts small, what happens? It moves through the people. And it moves through the people. And then more people start to follow it. More people start to fall to it. More people are led astray. It always starts small. And then it infects the entire nation. Now the people could have stayed true to God, but instead they followed the leader. Look at today's society. We see the same thing going on. A disregard for God's law. Now I want you to think about something. Whether it's an individual, a church, or a nation, a disregard of God's law leads to punishment. It's that simple. A disregard of God's law leads to punishment. Why? Because disregarding God's law leads to sin. When we disregard God's law, we fall to sin. Our leaders turn from God. Multitudes listen to the godless leaders or to their godless friends or to their peers or to their professors or to their teachers or to their judges or to their pastors or to their deacons. Whoever it is, if those people are ungodly and you listen to them, they're going to influence you. And that's what we see. And that's what happened to Israel. The leaders influenced the people. And that's what we see today. Leaders leading the people into sin. Leaders leading the people into a national sin. Regardless of the leader. If they're not following God's law, they're leading the people into sin. Because they have influence. Regardless of the leader. If the leader goes against God's laws and commands, we're to follow God. Regardless of the leader, we're to follow God. Judah followed the leader and failed to idolatry, and they were destroyed. This nation is on the pathway to destruction right now. Destruction because we've turned from God, we've mocked God, we've shunned his law, and we have let the godless lead us into sin. Yes, we're responsible for our own sin. But we're also responsible for those we let lead us. just as we're responsible for the classes we take in college, the friends we have, the people we hang around with, the books we read, the TV shows we watch, the music we listen to, we're responsible for all those things. Our actions and our inactions lead to sin. 
and will lead to national sin if we follow our leaders that are sinning. We're to follow God in all things, regardless of what we're told. We're to follow God. Because national sin leads to national destruction and punishment from God. We need to turn to God. We need to pray that our leaders turn to God and seek his guidance, and we need to pray for national revival. And I pray that it's not too late. For there will be a day when God's punishment will not be withheld on this nation. And it will not be withheld because of national sin. And it will not be withheld regardless of how many churches in this country are staying true to him. Because we saw the same thing happen with Judah. He has mercy, but then when time of punishment comes, he will punish. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us today.